Welcome to Turning Conscience into Action, the Earth Charter podcast. Join Miriam Vilela, Earth Charter International Executive Director, in her fascinating conversations with great thinkers, scholars, and activists from around the world who are working in the fields of sustainability, ethics, education, and social transformation. Our purpose is to generate new insights on how to face current global challenges and inspire informed action. Over the years, I have been interested in the meaning of ecological integrity, given that there is a whole section in the charter that is called ecological integrity. In this context, I have been following the wonderful work of the Global Ecological Integrity Group that brings together academics and activists from different fields and regions of the world. For more than 20 years, this group of experts have come together once a year for meetings convened by Laura Wester. They, they have come together to share their research work. As a result, they have published many books, one nearly every year, with a collection of very interesting and useful essays. Quite often, uh, these meetings have dedicated a space in the agenda for a dialogue on their strata. So for this podcast episode, I have invited Laura Wester. Laura is the founder and director of the Global Ecological Integrity Group and is Professor Emerita at the University of Windsor, Canada. Thank you, Laura, for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. So the first question I would like to ask you is, how did you come across the Earth Charter and what sparked your interest in it? Okay, I've been puzzling. I met the foundations of the Earth Charter, shall we say, long before it came into being. Ron Engel uh, uh, chaired a meeting in Montreal. Uh, and uh, he had several people involved. I've been puzzling to try and figure out which year this was, but it was a long, long time before uh, the Earth Charter came into being, that's for sure. And uh, <clears throat> I, know, I remember attending. How I knew about it, I cannot tell you, but I remember attending, and he mentioned the name of several people. And uh, I remember being there and saying, excuse me, I'd like to uh, add something. You have no women <laughs> connected to this meeting on the Earth Charter. I fully anyway. remember that. I was there. I remember. Oh, that. well, there you go. I was so there. It I... was in an IUCN Congress meeting, a workshop as part of that, I guess. After that, there was another IUCN meeting, and this time it was in, uh, in Costa Rica, and I finally met uh, Rockefeller, and uh, we had tea, but that led to him inviting myself and my husband to a uh, uh, workshop that he had on the Earth Charter in, in his, okay. And after that, the interest in the Earth Charter uh, remained through, again, uh, Ron Engel who was a steering committee member uh, originally of our group when we started having meetings. That was the steering committee of uh, the IOCN uh, ethics uh, specialist group. But what sparked your interest uh, in those days 
on the Earth Charter. That was back in the late 90s. Well, of course, integrity. The fact that the integrity was there because I saw, I, I can't say I foresaw everything, but I certainly became aware of the tremendous potential it had. It started, don't forget, um, words on, on, on water. Uh, that, that was a U.S. document. And the person that uh, picked it up uh, was one of the founding members, if not the founding member, uh, James Carr. Okay, he even designed an IBM, an index of biotic, an IBI, I'm sorry, an index of biotic integrity. Mm, thank you. Now, about 20 years ago, I came across a book of yours, which I still have here in my hands. It's a book you published in 1998 called Living yep. in Integrity, a Global Ethic to Restore a Fragmented Earth. In this book, you link concerns about the environment with great theories of moral philosophy. Can you share with us uh, the key ideas you articulated in this book and what were the linkages you identified between caring for the environment and our moral obligation to that? Well, uh, of course, uh, natural law, St. Thomas, it was to be it was certainly there in my mind, as well as the Spanish school at the time of the conquest of America, uh, where the uh, uh, the priests of the Spanish school essentially started international law uh, by respecting each and every individual. They said. Yeah, they were considered, the natives were considered like animals of the forest. And it took the Spanish school, uh, of course, sparked by the thinking of, of Thomas Aquinas, to say, no, these are human beings. They might be misguided. It might be better if they, uh, uh, if they had a uh, religion, our religion. But on the other hand, they have their own little nations, they have their own ways of governing marriages and deaths and all succession for one thing, and salvation, and so on. But most of all, I got interested in uh, agribusiness, because that's the time when they started fooling around with, uh, uh, well, <laughs> developing GMOs. Okay, and and I I consider those uh, one of the worst things that has ever happened to us, and uh, they are the reasons on which I explain in great detail in further books why the Amazon is burning essentially, because they're growing animals uh, in a way that is not natural. Okay. Mm -hmm. But a, a much better book is my 2016 book uh, on, uh, on ecological integrity and global governance. Uh, that is um, a book from EarthScan, where I talk about all of this stuff in updated detail. And I also discuss very briefly the first papal uh, encyclical in 2015, Laudato Si, mm -hmm. uh, 
that uh, goes back to St. Francis okay. and, uh, and defends integrity throughout. I cite every place where he talks about it, the Pope talks about integrity, all throughout the book. So you have researched extensively, you know, you have written extensively on ecological integrity. So for those people who have not heard of it or don't really understand what it is, what what would you say in terms of what the, what does it mean ecological integrity in theory and in practice? Well, it it basically it means not interfering with nature, to let nature do its own thing, and only interfere, shall we say, uh, in a case of uh, uh, need to defend yourself. In other words, the sort of thing that we do when we automatically uh, swat a mosquito that is biting us, that could be carrying all sorts of things. Actually, Klaus Bosselmann has written on this. His work has been foundational to, it, to this because he is actually bringing ecological integrity um, to the UN. He did as long as he could. Right now, he has not been able to travel this last year. But uh, that is where essentially our work now is divided in two. We have a meeting that uh, allows all people who have new ideas, new um, ways of dealing with integrity. For instance, integrity has been always based on water. But uh, just in 2019, a, uh, uh, a man from Czechoslovakia, uh, Zeleny, and that is in one of my books, the la latest collection, um, found a way of uh, discussing integrity on a land-based way. That's completely new, and that's where people who are interested in saying something new about integrity can speak, okay? So that is the foundational part. And then we have the group with lawyers. I'm not a lawyer, you see. I have two PhDs, but I'm not a lawyer. So I have the lawyers of our group, Katie Guelsdon, uh, Klaus Bosserman, of course, first of all, and others that disseminate and talk about and uh, what we actually find in our meetings. So it's, it's almost a two-pronged uh, operation, okay? So and if people want to, want to really understand it, they're going to have to read. Sorry, sure. you can't sum it up in a word. But can we say that ecological integrity then means just leaving uh, nature uh, and not intervening on it or in it? Um, respect needs to be it as a whole. Exactly. And that means not only nature as a whole, but also biological integrity of single organisms. In other words, uh, it, it, the, uh, our understanding of integrity, and the one from James Carr, uh, promulgates the belief that interfering with single organism, such as seeds, such as 
all sorts of things that are in nature is wrong. And it's amazing that this has been a position taken not only certainly by, by people with my particular inclination and background, but uh, by, uh, by people from different religious groups, but religious in, the, in their background. Religions uh, from what my husband used to be, for instance who was a, a Dutch reformed. I have a, a journal from, the, from 1995 where these, uh, I, I, I came across it by, you know, surprisingly, uh, they talk about uh, interfering with nature is interfering with the work of God, not Catholics, but Dutch reformed people. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very interesting that this respect for integrity can be found pretty much everywhere. And it has been our effort mm. to let it grow and, and to understand all the possible implications ever since we started meeting 27 or 28 years ago. But you have been, uh, for almost three decades, you have been working quite extensively on this very concept of ecological integrity. Yeah. Do you think the concept of ecological integrity has evolved and advanced in international law? And how, how would you wish to envision that uh, in the future? Well, in the future, as I said, as long as we can move again, meet again, etc., I am sure that the uh, the group led by Klaus Plyer it's available at Amazon at the end of November, and uh, but now I am working on a book on migrants and uh, and refugees and how badly they are impacted by the fact that there have been. Uh, there has been no respect for the nature where they live in small little areas because uh, we are concentrating, myself and another Italian professor, we are going to be concentrating on uh, the uh, Mediterranean basin this time and the MENA region. So, uh, so uh, mm, this leads me to the next next question, which is, what are the linkages between ecological integrity and human health? I think this is very much part of your research interest. Yes, very, very much. Because it is, uh, it is the same thing. When you uh, interfere with our organism in one way or another, uh, uh, our integrity is lost. I used to say, a person, say, uh, like Peter, who had been in a concentration camp, Etc. Etc. And uh, in Indonesia, and uh, uh, he was uh, mistreated and not fed enough, and so on. Uh, the uh, the bones in the front of his mouth, uh, he lost his teeth up because four or five teeth just went because of that. Well, you could say that at that time when Peter was still healthy, that he was healthy, but. 
he was not he did his body did not have integrity because he had something else that was not his in the mouth okay the same with people who have other things inside their body this is a way of understanding it of course when what is inside our body is something as dangerous as what has been uh, spread by Monsanto now Bayer uh, as glyphosate, which thanks God I participated in a, in a meeting where uh, they talked against it and uh, their beliefs that everything was fine and it was perfectly safe was debunked. It's one of the most dangerous things that we face and that corrupts the environment, but also the physical health of human beings. Okay. So it's so very closely have, related, you know, when the environment is contaminated, when the environment is corrupted and loses its exactly. integrity, it affects human health. Exactly, exactly. When the, the environment is, is uh, uh, so, so badly polluted, the food that we eat is polluted. You know, you cannot eat corn anymore because it's made by Monsanto bear. You cannot and uh, mine. I just take a train to Montreal, but for her it's a different story. Mm. So I don't know, but Vandana Shiva certainly has talked about this in great detail, and uh, she has been a wonderful source for us too. Um, why do we need a non-anthropocentric approach to environment protection? Well, because unfortunately, we are totally tied to the environment. I mean, it's not us in the environment as something green out there or I don't know where. Uh, uh, you, you see, we are part of it. We are human animals. So uh, we, we simply cannot separate one from the other. We are part of what you call the environment need it in order to survive. Um, can you comment on how do you see the earth shatter? Uh, how does the earth shatter articulate ecological integrity? Uh, does it help or add value to raising awareness and if helping people to understand what ecological integrity is? And how important it is? Just look at what, what it has been, but what it can be in the future. What do you think, uh, it, how can we move ahead in, with, with regards to ecological integrity? Uh, how can we move ahead? Again, I extend my invitation to you or to anybody from the Earth Charter to participate in our meetings and then see whether there is anything there. It's not easy. <laughs> To, uh, to take time to, to follow so many discussions, but that's why I'm doing this, this recording interview with you, is to capture your knowledge uh, in a moral and ethical angle, too. I mean, that range. Well, th thank you very much, Miriam, and uh, let me hope that maybe I'll see you again. Let me ask you another question. One more? <laughs> Can you, okay. Laura... Can you comment on the meaning of the right for a healthy environment for future generations, for present and future generations, the right for a healthy environment? 
uh, you have written extensively on the right of future generations of uh, a healthy environment. Can you share with us on, uh, in terms of what you mean uh, by that and how that idea is articulated also in your chat and in your writings? The right for a healthy environment for present and future generations. Yeah, um, that is a, a very complex argument. And that the, was the topic of my book 46, uh, which I sent you, uh, sent you the flyer. And that is because uh, the, uh, those who harm our rights, as a matter of fact, um, escape both uh, state control and international control. They, uh, and when I say they, they are non-state actors, which include among them corporations as the worst and others, okay? They are uh, nothing but mafias. You know what the mafia is? That too operates at a level where somehow you can catch them, of course, but they pop up somewhere else, all right? They have a system of self-protection which allows them to operate uh, free from the controls of uh, state law, but also uh, free from the control of international law. They sort of live in a, in a special area, okay? And uh, there has been transnational legal regimes uh, attempted to control some of these, but uh, it's insufficient. And uh, what my last book suggests to look at is something else, supranational law. That is the law that hits them where they are. Because you can see in Italy, Mafia, Cosa Nostra, Camorra, depending on the areas, sure, they get a few, they send them to jail, but somehow they have a way of existing and uh, reproducing, shall we say, like rabbits in different areas, and they pop up somewhere else where they never had been before. So. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. So um, the right for for future generations of a healthy environment is um, we can find it in several uh, constitutions or not so many. Constitutions no, the constitutions, countries. unfortunately, would protect us if they worked. But uh, both corporations and and mafias, various kinds, have found a way to evade those. Okay, and it just uh, it just simply, uh, it, it, they, they cannot be stopped unless the law changes. And I cite a famous scholar, Antonio Cassese, who has said that the law, especially the international law, is, uh, is uh, at its early stages, believe it or not. And uh, it needs to develop into something that it is not. So these are very, very difficult things. So when you start applying integrity fully, especially thinking of human rights, you are in a very, very difficult uh, um, area. 
Yeah, but it's important to make those linkages and bridges you know, between human Absolutely. rights Absolutely. and Absolutely. integrity. That's what I try to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's what I try to do. But, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I don't go. That's the way it is. You are doing an amazing work, Laura. Incredible. Uh, what, what do you think is uh, the value of uh, environmental ethics or global environmental ethics? How can we move that ahead? Uh, I think that has lost its directions. Okay, I used to belong to that society, but I, uh, since uh, ethics is not something like law or medicine uh, that uh, that gives you a profession, uh, people who work on ethics are keen to make a career, and so they establish their careers by. Uh, so did, uh, okay, they used to uh, attack me constantly. Uh, and I said, at a certain point, I said, you know what? I am going to quit environmental ethics and turn to law because lawyers have a great thing. They accept arguments that may advance uh, their case wherever they come from. When I attended law school, I mean, it was a discovery for me. And so I've completely dropped environmental ethics and I, I think they've lost their direction. Except for Holmes Ralston. He still has something important to say. And uh, he never stopped, actually. Mm. Would you share with me what is your current uh, research focus? What are your current interests? Uh, as, as I said, it's uh, migrants, migrants and refugees at the borders. And uh, I've just finished doing a short sum up of some of the things that the new people encyclical, Fratelli Tutti, which means brothers all, says about that. It's a lot about it and what people find at the borders especially in the area of Italy and uh, uh, the Mediterranean Basin, that's what we are working on, and the uh, MENA region, so a little further east. There's even, be a res there's even been, believe it or not, a resurrection of fascism in Italy to try and keep the migrants off. It's amazing, but that's not only in Italy, but almost everywhere. There you go. That are receiving a lot of migrants. That's what's happening. I know. I know. And, and that's what the, the Pope says. I mean, don't forget that these are, as he says, brothers. As St. Francis used to say, everybody was a brother. Also the sun and the moon and the earth. But in this particular encyclical, uh, Fratelli Tutti, that just came out October 3rd, uh, that's what it is. So that's what I'm working on, on the, uh, the, the life of migrants faced by climate change that ruins the earth where they live, uh, people that, had, uh, that were there and owned the little countries, and then they changed the way things were there, so their, their own ecology is no longer the way they used to be.
and they sold whole areas to China, etc. Without counting the U.S. continuous effort to sell armaments in the area and and to make sure that that uh, that they uh, they have fights ongoing conflicts all the time. So and then of course COVID-19 to cap it all. So that is the focus now. What uh, migrants find at the border, and as you said, all over Europe, but uh, in in uh, in Italy we've had uh, a resurgence of uh, fascism that I would have never expected to see. Don't forget, I lived at the, I was in Milano when they hung him upside down and threw tomatoes at him. <laughs> oh my gosh, so amazing, so amazing. So, well, yeah, I'm old here. So in terms of uh, helping, helping to change people's mindset and consciousness uh, regarding all these issues, you think uh, uh, moving ahead on the track of international environmental law is the best way to go? Yeah. Yes, definitely. I, I, uh, the, the, as I said, the environmental ethics, with the exception of Holmes Ralston, uh, has lost its direction, and uh, and, and they are uh, they're just fighting one another to to see who can uh, who can sort of make his own niche, and and that's it. But it's not that they look in general. Uh, at the others, that's for sure. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your willingness to share your knowledge with us. I, I am certainly uh, here in awe and admiration for the huge work you have done in the field of uh, ecological integrity, environmental law, and also environmental ethics. Thank you so much for your contributions. Thank you and hope to see you live at a beating suit. <laughs>